Ladies and gentlemen, please listen carefully to the following announcement. Gus, if you don't know who I am, and my name is Gus, if you do know who I am. <laughs> Something that I often say at Oasis Church week on week, I think it's reasonably amusing. <laughs> the number of things we often say, <laughs> my wife said it's sad. <laughs> That's exactly the reaction I wanted. Uh, there are some, a couple of things we actually say at Oasis week on week. Another one is you're very warm welcome to you if you're visiting us this morning. Very, very welcome. We say that every week. Another one of the things we say at Oasis Church week on week is uh, that's the end of the meeting. It isn't right now, but it will be in a few minutes' time. Uh, if you've got children, please do go and get them. And if you haven't, don't. That's something else that we say at the end of the meeting. And something else we say during the meeting, you've already heard Mike say it, is that we're about to continue our worship by taking up an offering. Please don't feel under any obligation whatsoever to put anything in the offering baskets. We're not after your money. Uh, so please feel free if you're a visitor or even if you're not, just to let the offering basket pass you by. That's something else we say during our time at Oasis Church. And it could be the case that of those three or four things, the one that you like the most is the, hello, I'm Gus, if you don't know who I am. Uh, and you, your ears prick up and think, oh, God, good, Gus is on his feet again. Uh, it could be that the offering one is one that you, particularly if you're a regular here, you tune out a little bit on, because we say it week on week. And so the offering begins to come around, you think, oh, yeah, they always say that. And then I'm starting to think about, you know, the football results yesterday or what's for lunch or something like that. Now, the reason that we say that one week on week on week in Oasis Church is because we want to be really light about giving and money. Those of us who are regulars know that's the case. It's in our culture as a church. And we're in a two-week series entitled Centred Together on Giving. And as we approach this topic together, we want to stay light in it. We don't want to, if you like, ram giving down everybody's throats because that's not what we're like as a church. But on the other side of things, we do want to take the Bible which has a lot to say about giving and money, and teach it honestly, faithfully, and with weight, and with inspiration, so that we can at least have an opportunity to think about how we can give our money as an expression of worship to God. So that's why we've done these two weeks. We don't do it that regularly in Oasis Church, but we are doing it now. We did uh, Last week, Adrian spoke to us, and I'll just recap on that in a minute, and this week, it's me on money in particular. Now, just as we've uh, prepared in worship for this morning, as I said during that worship time, I felt what I had in terms of that section of verses that I was going to bring during my preach was appropriate for the moment. Because at the end of the day, Jesus gave us everything. Jesus gave us everything. And you can't give any more than everything. And he gave it all. 
And part of us coming into any message on giving has to start with Jesus. He's, he's our role model. And if he can give up everything for us and we can catch it and our heart response is therefore to him, there's a potential at least that we might do the same. And so that whole section in worship was designed to get our eyes fixed on the wonderful gift of Jesus giving himself for us, wholeheartedly giving us everything. And Adrian and I were talking during the week about, about that idea and about Adrian last week also pointing to the cross. He had the cross up. We could have just said for this two-week series, there's the cross, Jesus died on it, thank you, and sit down. And that'd be it. Because ultimately, it's the cross that defines where our heart is in terms of what we, how we're going to respond to Jesus. In fact, I wrote a poem about this. I'm, I'm into writing poems at the moment, some of you may know. Thank you. It's a brief one. goes like this. It's kind of not deep, and it is deep at the same time. It goes like this. Where's your treasure, Jesus Christ? Oh, it's us. That sounds nice. But how do we know that it is true? Jesus says, I died for you. That's it. <laughs> You can, you can remember that during the week. Last week, Adrian introduced our two-weeker on giving, pointing us at Stevie V from the 1990s and a song called Money Talks. And he suggested to us that money does talk and we have a motive reaction to money, uh, whatever that reaction is. So on the one extreme, we might feel like our backs are against the wall, particularly after the budget or in the current economic climate, really not liking money and feeling really stretched. On the other hand, you might be absolutely rolling in cash and think, I'm just going to give, 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 give. And I know that applies to many of us here in the church. <laughs> Perhaps not. <laughs> he then suggested that our attitude to money gives away what our heart is, what lies at the center of who we are and what we do. And he said that our attitude gives away where we are because Jesus himself said this, didn't he? Where your treasure is, treasure is, there your heart will be also. So where's your treasure? And if you can identify where the treasure is in your life, that would indicate exactly where your heart is. It's an, it's an easy equation. And he said that can apply to us, not just as individuals, and it does, but also corporately to us as a church. So as we look into Oasis Church life, we look around and think, where's our treasure? That will demonstrate where our heart is. And then he went on from Acts 2, verse 44, where it says all the believers were together and had everything in common, to unpack the word common. And we came up with these four areas that he shared with us. That the people in Acts had a shared identity, a shared purpose, a shared connection, and a shared attitude around giving all of which was centered on a generous father who has good gifts for us because God owns everything. And in him, we are part of his family. We can have everything. So on the one hand, we've got a generous father that's willing to give us anything, anytime, place, anywhere, and we need to live in the light of that. And on the other hand, we have a, an interdependence as members of God's family to look out for each other because one of the ways that he looks out for us is by us looking out for each other. So that came through as well. And he ended his preach, and you may have missed it, asking us, whether we're dutiful servants in our giving, oh, we give because we're better, rather than living out of that generous and extraordinary understanding that God has everything we can possibly have, so let's just give it away and be free to know that he's going to give it back as well. So that was last week in a nutshell. And I'd encourage you, if you haven't um, listened to that message, then I'd want you to go and have a look at it on the... Uh, well, have a, have, a, have a listen to it. You can have a look at it. You can have a look at his smiley face on the web. But it's better to listen rather than just look at Adrian all day long. 
Well, that's up to you. I mean, Lucy probably wants to look in him all day long. That's his wife, by the way. Anyway, why don't we keep going? Why don't we turn to Mark chapter 12? If you've got a Bible, if you haven't, it'll appear on the screen behind me. My job today to speak more specifically around money. And it won't surprise many of us to know, therefore, that we've chosen the story of the widow's might to unpack this together. The widow's might, a famous story in the Bible. I'm just going to read it, and then we're going to uncover together something around our heart in giving and whether it applies to the finances that we may or may not have in our pockets. So Mark chapter 12, verse 41 to 44, says this, And he, which is Jesus, sat down opposite the treasury and began observing how the people were putting money into the treasury. And many rich people were putting in large sums. A poor widow came and put in two small copper coins, which amount to a few pence. Calling his disciples to him, he said, Gus Rosia speak, Hey guys, come over here. You'll never guess what I've just seen. In fact, what I've just seen, you have to know about. This is massive. Truly, I say to you, this poor widow put in more than all the contributions to the, to the treasury. For they all put in out of their surplus, but she, out of her poverty, put in all she owned, all she had to live on. Gus Rosie interjection. How do you know that, Jesus? Jesus replies, I just know. This is a scene taken from the Jerusalem temple. And it's set in an area of the Jerusalem temple called the Court of the Women. We know it's the Court of the Women because historians have identified it as such. Now, the Court of the Women is not a place you'll be pleased to hear for women only. Because if it is, we've immediately got a problem because Jesus is there. So the Court of the Women is not just for women only. But it is the only place in the Court arena, or the last place in the court arena, where in that time women were allowed. That's why it was called the Court of the Women. So if after that arena, after that square, they weren't allowed into the further echelons of the temple. Now, obviously, we wouldn't go with that today, but that's what it was in those days then. And historians and theologians will tell you that this is set in that place, the Court of the Women, because there in that place were 13 offering baskets, if you will, set in that courtyard area. There were 13 of them. There were 11 that were there for voluntary offerings, and there were two that were there for temple taxes. And these offering baskets were like huge trumpets. They were narrow at the top and large at the bottom. So if you picked one up and tried to blow it, it would look like a trumpet. Obviously, nobody did do that, but that's why uh, they were there. And so people used to gather in these areas of the, of the courts to give their money away. Voluntarily, 11 out of the 13, and for the temple tax, for two out of the 13. And the theologians will tell you that the woman there came to give something voluntarily, as did everybody else in the crowd. Now, I don't know about you, but I would like to suggest that it's not unusual for a recognized church building, if I can uh, suggest that the Jerusalem temple is one of those, to have something in it where there is a recognized receptacle for catching cash. Because that's what we find in general church buildings across the land. I went to uh, Birmingham Cathedral a couple of weeks ago. I was up in town uh, going to the workplace Alpha and Anthony Collins solicitors. And as I went in there, I was wondering whether they would have some kind of offering receptacle in their building to encourage people to give money to it. I thought they might. I kind of been disappointed if they didn't. And lo and behold, I found this. 
their glass hexagon, which is catching people's offerings. And it was made of glass, it was see-through, had some money in the bottom of it, and a few little, if you want to give in here, you can, on the top. And I decided I was going to be a little bit like Jesus. I know most of the time I am anyway, but I decided at that point that I was going to sit down for a few minutes and do what Jesus did. Just observe people giving in to the temple glass hexagon, as it were. And uh, it may not surprise you to know that in the five, ten minutes that I was sitting there, trying to look, to look a little bit dodgy with my iPhone taking a picture of the, of the <laughs> glass hexagon and all the rest of it, during that time, I didn't spot anybody putting anything in to the offering basket. Now, it's not to say that people weren't, because there is some in there, but in that short period of time, there wasn't a crowd, there weren't many people hanging around, and nothing went in. It was just an observation. And that observation got me thinking, because that scenario is completely different to the scenario we find ourselves in this story. Because in this story, we have a crowd of people in the courtyard of the women putting their money in to these treasure chests in the temple treasury. So immediately we've got something different. And I'm quite excited by that because there seemed to be a crowd of people wanting to do it. And it got me thinking about what I'm like when an opportunity to give comes along. An opportunity to give money comes along. So even though I've had a bit of fun with it, when on a Sunday we say... It's time to show our worship by giving our money to God. Please don't feel under any obligation whatsoever to put any money in the offering baskets, blah, 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 blah. What are you feeling at that point? Are you feeling anything? Are you thinking oh, it's the offering? Or are you thinking, oh, this doesn't apply to me because uh, you know, I pay by standing order. So I don't, need to, I don't need to put anything money in the offering. I've got a clear conscience, so you can just pass me by, and that's okay, and we'll come to that in a minute. Do you think, oh, dear, church, always after your money, aren't they? I know they're saying it, but actually, if they really went after you m- my money, they wouldn't have an offering at all. That kind of thing. How do you feel when you're perhaps at a, a carol service at Christmas and the offering plate comes round? Do you think, yeah, you see, all this church wants is my cash. Churches all want people's money. How do you feel at that moment? It got me thinking how I feel. And I thought, on the, on the, on the, on the first hand, when I see the, the uh, Birmingham Cathedral glass hexagon, I don't feel anything at all. I didn't feel any obligation whatsoever to put any money in that, in that offering basket, as it were. So I just sat there and watched people also not doing that as well. So I felt nothing. I felt completely unmoved by that moment. You may say, you're not a very nice person, Gus. Why don't you put a fiver in? I may say, you're right. I'm not. <laughs> Caught you out, didn't it? When the baskets come around, I've alluded to it already. I also often sit in my seat on Oasis Church on a Sunday, and I'm generally happy to let the basket go by because I have got my giving sorted out via electronic stuff elsewhere. Now, that's not to say, not, that's not to tell you that I've got my giving sorted out. That's more the fact that I think about it and prayed about it and know what I'm doing, and it's all planned and sorted. So I actually feel reasonably comfortable as the basket comes around not to put anything in. But that also doesn't mean that I shouldn't think about sometimes putting some money in as well. And even this morning, I had to make sure I didn't do it legalistically, thinking I can't pre- this me- preach this message this morning without having to put a fiver in, because otherwise people are going to think, well, yeah, you just let it go past again, didn't you? Which I did, because I didn't <laughs> want to be legalistic. I thought we were a grace-filled community in Oasis Church. When I'm in a carol service and that basket goes around, I, do, I genuinely have to watch my attitude, because I always think, you see, you ask for the money. And if you're a visitor here, they're going to think the church is always after your money. So I, can, I have to watch my attitude. Sometimes I get cross. Even when there's a special offering announced, and obviously we've just announced one, I know immediately that a battle is going to begin within me. A battle which is, whew, right, that's an opportunity to give more than what I normally give. And I have to think, right, I've got to, I've got to now got to weigh up 
the cost of giving with the desire and passion to give with an amount of money that I know I want to end up giving having prayed and the fact is I have to double that once I share it with my wife. <laughs> but a battle is about to begin. Ah, you see, you're just thinking about that now, aren't you? <laughs> Janie, my wife's incredibly generous. Some, I have been labelled as stingy in my life, but I'm, I'm working on that. All sorts of different feelings. In the court of the women, it would seem, let's be positive about this, it would seem that the crowd that were gathering, in the NIV version of the Bible, it talks about Jesus observing the crowds putting in their money. It would, se- it would, it would seem that they'd caught something about giving. Whatever the motives were, and we don't know what they are, there's a crowd of people putting money into those treasury pots. And that's exciting. I think that's good. I think it's good that people think crowds of people are giving money. So let's be, when we give, special offering or whatever, like a crowd, thinking, yeah, I'm going to come and give some money. So what are you like when the offering plate comes round, when an opportunity to give comes along? Why don't you examine your heart closely and be honest about what you really think and feel at that point? Do you go into religious mode, better put some money in, or do you think, hallelujah, this is an opportunity to express something of my love for Jesus because he has given all? In this story, let's get into it. In this story, there are two scenarios going down. There's one scenario that relates to the giving rich, and there's another scenario which relates to the giving widow. Now, obviously, the main focal point of this story is the giving widow, and Jesus drags his disciples to one side and talks to them specifically about her. But there's also something I think we just need to spot about what I call the giving rich. And that is that Jesus, although he, when he grabs the disciples to one side and talks about what's going on here, though he makes uh, a suggestion that many of these rich are giving out of their surplus and she's giving out of their all, as we'll see in a minute, what he doesn't then go on to say is, so I didn't want the money whatsoever. And he could have done that because Jesus was quite edgy. Jesus is, is known as one-liners, isn't he? And he, he can often say things that can make people think, I can't believe you just said that. So in this scenario, when he draws the disciples to one side and says, look, this widow has given more in her two tiny coins than the whole of the rest of all the offerings. He doesn't then go on and say, and I wish they hadn't put anything in at all. It's a stench to my nostrils that people have given out of their surplus. He doesn't say that. He could have done. And I'd just like to suggest as an aside that if you are rich here this morning, if you do have surplus and you want to give money away, I would say, hallelujah, give away. I was chatting to somebody last night at a dinner party who was telling me that uh, uh, during the sports relief weekend, apparently Coldplay had given something like £260,000 to Joe Wiley because she'd done something that I can't remember what it was, but she'd done something that equaled... She ran. She ran for £260,000 worth of money. Now, the conversation we got into was, yeah, 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 but it's Coldplay. I mean, that's nothing, £260,000. To which the conversation said, but there's five band members, or rather four, I don't know, fifty grand each, to which I said, yeah, it's still nothing. And I said... If Coldplay gave me 260 grand, I'd be delighted. Any gift from anybody, I think, is always welcomed. I know whenever, whenever I look at the finances in Oasis Church, only myself and Keith Mesler, who's our administrator, who oversees the finances with me, whenever we see anybody who gives, and the truth of the matter is that we do, I just think, thank you so much. I never think anything like, well, that's not enough money, or, well, you're not giving. I just think any gift that comes, what an amazing blessing, and I think Jesus is the same. And even with those rich people putting in, Yes, he made a point specifically about the widow, and that's important, we'll get to that. But if you're rich and if you've got surplus and if you want to give it away to him, by all means, go, go and give it away, as long as your heart's good. As long as, long as you're not just doing things, oh, well, I better do that, because that's my surplus. Give generously 
and Jesus loves it. So that's just an aside I thought I wanted to, to catch for us, that the giving rich can give money and that's okay. And, and again, I'll say, if you, if you are rich and have surplus, by all means, give away to Jesus. That's good news. Okay, so what about the giving widow? It's much more about her than the large gift and the large crowds. The giving widow, let's just remind ourselves what Jesus said to his disciples. And remember how I read it. Jesus saw it and immediately thought, this is a moment that I want my disciples to catch, to remember and apply in their lives. So something happened there that he wanted them to really remember. And they did remember it because they wrote it down. And then we've been remembering it for centuries since. So there's something in this for all of us as well to remember. What did Jesus say? He said, truly, I say to you, this poor widow put in more than all the contributions to the treasury. And there were a lot of contributions in there already, remember, because a lot of rich people have put a lot in large amounts. More than all the contributions to the treasury. For they put in out of their surplus, and we've talked about that, but she, out of her poverty, put in all she owned, all she had to live on. I want us to imagine for a moment that we are the observer in that story. So it's not Jesus at this point, it's us. We are in that courtyard, in the court of women, looking at people putting their gifts into the temple treasury. And as this poor widow comes along, she puts in her two tiny coins. What do we think at that point in time when she puts those two tiny coins in? What do we think when a, a woman who looked poor probably, was known as a widow because of the dress that she was wearing, puts in two small coins? We're observing. Do we think rubbish? That's not worth putting in. Why is she putting that in? Complete waste of time. I'd like to put it to us that none of us would think that. Because if we were genuinely there looking at the small amount of money that this person had put in, we'd probably think, that's great. Again, we think, thank you so much. That person is being kind with her money. That's our initial reaction. Doesn't matter about the amounts. Whenever anybody gives anything, we'd always think, that's great. If anybody puts anything into any pot, any time, we think, brilliant. We don't think, that's not enough. We think, thank you. That woman is a wonderful woman. She's done something that's fantastic. We've probably got hearts of compassion towards her because we can see her situation and the amount of money that she's given. Now, I don't know about you, but in life, and you may say I'm a bit odd at this point, you probably do anyway, but in airports and railway stations or even supermarkets or sometimes, when you're watching people, as you, we can all do, sometimes I look at people's faces and I wonder what's going on in their world. And some, some people's faces, they just look completely... Uh, as though the world is on top of them. They're going to collapse at any moment in time. Other people have lightness and brightness in their face, and I sometimes think, oh, I wonder if you're a Christian or you know Jesus. Or, you know. Other people just look really wealthy, like they haven't got a care in the world, but they kind of dress and they have things around them. And you, you just start thinking and wondering about different people's situations. So in this story, if we're observing, we might initially have a sense of compassion for this video, think, for this, this video, for this widow, hello, for this, for this widow putting that money in. But then I'd, I'd like to suggest that as we're there, we might start thinking, Actually, I wonder what's really going on, on in her world. I wonder what's really going on in her world at that point. We start musing over that situation that we're looking at. And it could be that we start thinking, Do you know, I wonder if she's just given out of a sense of resignation, actually. Because she's given so little, I wonder if she has so little that she doesn't really care anymore. And she just thinks, well, I just might as well give it away. 
because it's so little. I have nothing, so why don't I just give it away? I give it to a good cause. We might start thinking like that. We might even start thinking, she's given so little, I wonder if she's got any sense in it where she thinks, well, if I do give that little, then I wonder if something wonderful might happen. A bit of prosperity gospel, if you like. You know, I'll give what I haven't got because I'm hoping somehow for some kind of tremendous blessing that will change my world. Sometimes people give like that. She might have been giving like that. She may have even been giving because she was religious. She'd been taught to give, come what may. And some people have. You must give. You must give. You must give. You must give. doesn't matter how much it is, but you must give. And she may have taught in her life that however much she's got, I'm going to put it in. A religious giving. Or she may even, as we're observing, think she's just agenda-driven. We see something in her face which all of a sudden doesn't give away generosity and kindness, but it's something like she's, she's a, just a bit annoyed. And she's thinking, look, I've seen all these rich people put all their, their expensive gifts in. I'm just going to make a point. I'm going to flick in my two coins as if to say, I can give a little. It doesn't have to be a large amount. She might have been agenda-driven. She may have been trying to make a point. Those are some things that if we didn't know about Jesus being in that situation, we might have thought if we were in that situation. The difference, of course is that Jesus was in the situation. He was in the situation, and I'd like to suggest that after that moment of initial compassion, which I believe all of us would have if we were looking at that lady putting in that money, he then had some prophetic spiritual prompting that gave him insight into that woman's world. We just accepted that Jesus knew that she'd given everything, but this was a moment where I believe God spoke to Jesus. I know Jesus was God, but it's similar to the situation where he's asked, he asked the woman at the well for some water, if you remember, in John chapter 4. And he gets into a conversation with this woman at the well, and what does he say? He ends up telling her that she, she, she's, uh, she hasn't got a husband because the guy that she's currently with isn't her husband, and that she's had five previous men, and they're not her, her husband either. That didn't just come out of nowhere. People say it's a kind of a word of knowledge that Jesus has had about the situation that he's found himself in. So in this one, he sees the two mites going down, and I believe then he had insight into this woman's world, and what he saw blew him away. So much so that he grabbed his disciples over and said, look at this, look at this, this is a big moment, and you need to hear it. What did he see? He saw wholeheartedly abandoned passion for Jesus, a wholehearted abandonedness to Jesus. He saw supreme generosity, and he saw unashamedly extravagant kindness. That's what he saw, those three things. Wholehearted abandonment to Jesus. All she had to live on is what she gave. How did he know that? I said it when I read it. He just knew, because God had told him. All she had to live on, she put in there. That's wholehearted abandonment, isn't it? giving everything you had to live on because you've got to have faith that God is going to provide for you as you give it away. Wholehearted abandonment. Supremely generous. She understood the value of her gift because she put in everything. She put in everything. That was her everything. She put in everything. And as I said at the beginning, you can't give more than everything. And she gave it. That's supreme generosity whatever we all think. And then unashamedly extravagant, the size of her gift, giving out of her poverty, was not the issue. It was the heart. It was the heart. Extravagant with the amount, because we look at and think nothing, but for her, everything. And that's why we teach in Oasis Church, God looks at the heart, not the amount. Because he does. He looks at the heart. And we don't know what our everything is in life. I might know what mine is, and you might know what yours is. 
then how do you know what mine is and vice versa? God looks at the heart. And it could be that many of you here week on week are giving your everything and we just don't know. Or it could be that you're not. But the plain fact of the matter is God looks at the heart when we give. And he looks for a generous heart, an abandoned heart. A heart that says, well, it doesn't matter. I'm going to trust it all to God anyway. That's how we should be giving. So there's abandonment, there's sacrifice, cost, generosity, extravagant heart. All these words wrapped in together as this woman gives her money to God. And that's how we should be when we give our money to God. Exactly the same. There's one other thing I wanted to share with us about this. Because all those things, to be honest with you, we've shared before in Oasis Church. Because we say every week on a Sunday, God looks at the heart. He's not interested in the amount. Just be generous and cheerful givers. You all know that. Because that's true. That's the culture of Oasis Church. What's the difference for this week? And it's one word. It's intention. Intention. As I've looked at this, I suddenly start, started seeing that this woman had intention as she came to the temple court that day. It's a little bit like Mary when I preached on, on that and her devotion to Jesus. She didn't just turn up with the perfume and pour it all over Jesus' head. She must have had it with her for the moment that she was going to do it. And it's the same for this widow. She had intention. And I like to suggest that if you're going to give away everything you have, all that you have to live on, you're going to plan that moment. It's not just going to be a random moment where you turn up and go, Wah, whatever, because it's a big moment. It's an important moment. So there's planning in the amount I've already said it. How do you know what your, all your is to live on is? How do you know what it is for you? And whatever it is, you've got to have planned that amount and brought it with you. Now, for the widow, for the widow she knew what, that it was two small mites, a couple of small coins. She knew that. So you may say, well, it's easy because she didn't have any money. But for us, if we were going to give our all, what would our all be? It might take us a short time might take us a long time to work out what our all is, but there'd be some planning involved so that we could come to any offering that we're involved with and say, this is my all, I'm giving it to Jesus. All's big in our culture. There'd be planning in prayer. <coughs> planning in prayer. Why? Because if you're going to give everything, if you're going to give your all, you've got to have a rise of faith to know that God is saying, this is the moment to give it. It's not just willy-nilly random stuff, or I'll risk it and see what happens. It's, no, I've got real faith that this is the moment to give my everything to Jesus because he's not always going to ask for everything and then just see what happens. So planning in prayer, intention in prayer ahead of that, of that offering. And then finally, planning in the moment. Let's just assume for a moment that we have worked out what our all is, everything that we own, everything that we've got to live on. And we've gone down the bank and we've cashed it. And so we've got, let's just arbitrarily say 5,000 quid. I'm just picking a number out for you. I'm not saying that that's high or low or anything. But let's just arbitrarily say I've got 5,000 quid in my pocket because that's what all is for me. It would probably be a little bit more for me because I've got a house that's worth more than 5,000 quid. But hey, 5,000 is a decent amount of money. Am I going to walk around life with 5,000 quid in my pocket in cash waiting for a moment to give it away? I don't think I am. Because I don't want, me, my, I don't want that money to have any other risk of it going any, down any other route getting mugged, losing it, somebody saying, can I have 500 quid? Or gone then, I plan to give it somewhere else. There'll be intention in it. And if I'm giving all, and this woman, I know it's only a sm two small coins, but if I'm giving everybody, I'm going to think, when's the moment? When's the moment? When's the moment? And when I know when the moment is, that's when I'm going with the money. And I believe that would be the case for this woman here. So there's planning in the amount, planning in prayer, and planning in the moment. And so practically for us as a church, when we have opportunities to give, and we've got one coming up in a couple of weeks' time with the Ukraine offering, I'd say, plan the amount. Think about the amount. 
seriously work out how much you think you'd like to give if you'd like to give during that offering. Plan in prayer. Because don't just give out of obligation, give out of faith. I want to give because God's given me faith to give. And it might hurt, there might be a cost, it may be all, it may not be all, but plan in prayer. And then plan the moment. Well, the moment's easy. Get it in your diary. Two Sundays time on this one. It's going to happen then. If you know you can't be there, plan to try and give it in another way so that you can be part of that offering. Intention. Come with intention. So we have abandonment, we have sacrifice, we have cost, we have generosity, extravagance, heart, and intention. And as we look at our finances, all those things need to be wrapped around together. I'd encourage us all to be intentionally looking at our finances and our money, thinking, if we're centred together in worship, how can this be changed in individually and corporately as a church over the next few weeks and months? Finally, some practicalities. What does it look like? If that's the how, what about the when and the what? Here's seven things that I just think will be helpful to us to be aware of as we look to give our money away. And many of them won't be unfamiliar. The first three or four... We do already anyway every week. So please don't switch off. Just think, oh yeah, yeah, I'm clocking it. I'm clocking it specifically for this morning. First one, Sunday offering. Every week at Oasis Church on a Sunday, well nearly every week, there is an opportunity to give. So if you ever, ever get stuck about when you'd like to give some money, you don't have to get stuck because Sunday mornings there's generally a basket that goes around. So just, just clock that. Second thing is electronic giving. I've mentioned that. That's bank transfer via the internet and that kind of thing. It's not less godly to give via that method. A lot of people do, and that's okay, as long as you're thinking about it and praying about it and giving generously in the heart amount and all the rest of it. The flip side is it can be cold. It can become cold. It can be, well, I'm just going to hive off that money. Mike said, you know, give, give you 10%. you 10% committed to God? We're not interested in, in specific percentages in Oasis Church. It can be cold and think, well, I'm just going to hive that off and I don't really care about it, and that's, that's money that I give to God. The heart's all wrong at that point, isn't it? And I don't even see it, and I don't really care. So it can be cold, so just watch that. And I know somebody, one person at least in the church, who's changed how they give, now stop doing the regular standing order and direct debit, and plans every month to have a moment when they specifically go into their electronic bank account world and make that transaction, because they want to be a, a, an actual intentional thing to do. I'm not saying everybody has to do that, but that, it's something, something that somebody's done. Third thing, text. If you want to give by text, you can, 21st century, that kind of thing. It's there. We keep saying it every week. Fourth thing, special offering. Mentioned that already. Fifth thing, I think, is massive. And it's this. Keep your eyes open all during the week, meeting community needs as and when they arrive. It's not just these set times and these set places that we know are familiar to us. If we're a family, if we're a community living out of interdependence with one another, then let's keep our eyes out for one another, looking to help people as and when the need arises with hard cash if they need it. Buying things for people, getting a coffee for some people, sorting out, you know, if you need to get nappies or food or whatever it is. Looking intentionally to help one another with our cash in our communities so it isn't just lip service, it's actual practical service as well. A couple more. Supporting friends, family, missions and ministries that aren't necessarily headlined in the church. We get a lot of people come to us and it's great saying, could you give some money to this? Could you give some money to that? I'm going here, I'm going there, I'm getting involved with this ministry or that charity or whatever it is. Our heart is always to want to bless these people, but we can't headline everything in the church. But what we do say is, by all means, go and find out if we want to give. And it works the other way as well. Let's us have an antenna for people that are around us, family, friends, or work associates, or whatever it is, looking for opportunities to give our money into those other, if you like, non-Oasis church functions. That's all right. Let's be generous as we do it. And finally, 
a bit of a big headline one. When the TV comes along with sports relief or comic relief or children in need, why don't we join with the rest of the normal community in the land that we live and give in to those as well? Why not? Because these are implications, uh, opportunities that just come, come to us every year that the rest of the world gives into. And why don't we just jump on the bandwagon as well? In all of it, please don't feel under any obligation whatsoever to put any money in the offering baskets as they pass you by. Because we are not after your money in Oasis Church. But we do serve a saviour and love a saviour, and want to worship the saviour who has given his all for us. And if Jesus has given his everything and you can't give any more than that, then let's at least look at the money that we have in his care and in our care so that we can look to bless him by giving our money away as an expression of our worship and thanks to all that he's done for us. Why don't you stand and I'll pray. Jesus, we just want to say one more time, we're going to keep on saying it really, but one more time this morning, thank you for saving us. Thank you for the sacrifice of yourself on the cross. Thank you that you defeated sin and death and the devil. Thank you that for the joy set before you, you endured the cross so that you could sit down at the right hand of the Father with us as your treasure, as your prize safely in, in under your wing. And we just, we just love that, Lord God. And we thank you for it. And we know, Lord God, that that does thrill us and it does cause us to lift our hands in the air and sing and shout and praise you and get uh, blown over by it. And we also know, Lord, when Nitty Gritty comes to town and you ask us to look at how it works out in normal life, sometimes that can be a bit harder. And I just pray for us as a, co- a community, particularly with this subject of money, Lord, that you keep speaking to our hearts about how much we should give you and when we should give it and in what sort of amounts and all the rest of it, so that we can just bless you and bless each other and bless the community at large. So do something in us as a church, I pray, so that we continue to be generous givers, abandoned to you, wholehearted in our giving of you, willing to pay the price, willing to pay the cost, in order that you can, you can know that you've got our all, Lord Jesus. And I do want to pray, Lord, that there's anybody here this morning that knows that they, they want to grow in that whole giving thing, Lord, that you give them faith with intention to spend time with you so that they can know your voice speaking into their life, so that you change them, Lord God. Your Holy Spirit changes them. Your Holy Spirit brings the freedom that you've announced over us this morning to give, not any persuasive words that any of us want to try and do to engineer that. I do, Holy Spirit, it would be your work in Jesus' name. And we, we, we ask, God, that you just bless us in every single way that you possibly can, because we're up for it. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Amen.